0: Good morning. Good morning. Uh, it's, it's good to see you in your new places <laughs> with your smiling faces. <clears throat> it is, it's truly a blessing to, <clears throat> to be uh, together on the first day of the week. I thank Monty Paul for his prayer this morning on my behalf. And it is my prayer also that the things we study will be beneficial and, and edifying to each of us. <clears throat> the uh reading this morning thank you brother Caleb for that um you recognize in Genesis 21 as the uh the record of when Isaac was born and we know that the birth of Isaac was uh, a miraculous thing and it was something that Abraham and Sarah had looked forward to for many years in fact From the time that god called abraham who was abram at that time when he was in the ur of the chaldees and said i want you to get out of your father's house and go to a land that i will show you it has been 25 years since that time and and abraham was 75 years old when he came to the land of canaan and when god had made these promises to him he said i'm going to give that land to your descendants as an inheritance and I'm going to make of your descendants a great nation and through your seed will all families of the earth be blessed or all nations of the earth be blessed. And so God had made these promises and Abraham had eagerly obeyed God when he said, go, get out of your father's house and go to this land that Abraham went. And, and um, you know, but for 25 years, he and Sarah had no children. And uh, so finally, we see that this has happened in a, in a miraculous way. They have had a child and you can, you can feel the joy in the words of Sarah when she says, God has made me to laugh. And everyone who hears me is going to laugh with me. That, that joy that she had, you know, and there's more to that that we recognize, right? Because a year earlier, when God had told Abraham, a year from now, you're going to have a child. Abraham's 99 years old. Sarah's around 90 years old. They're beyond the years of having children and has said that Abraham laughed. What? We're going to have kids? And Sarah, when she overheard an angel telling this, repeating this to Abraham, she also laughed in her heart, the Bible says. She laughed. Really? I'm going to have children. I'm over 90 years old. But in the end, God had the last laugh. He said, you're going to name your child Isaac. And you know what Isaac means? Laughter. And so Sarah's words of God has made me to laugh and all who will, who here will laugh with me, there's a lot to that. But again, it was a culmination of all these things and we see the joy of, of this Young old family now that's that started a new family, and we we read the account there as 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 Isaac is weaned that there's a great celebration and they have a feast and then and then life goes on, and we finished that chapter in in of uh, twenty the twenty first chapter of Genesis and it says that Abraham dwelt in the land of the Philistines for many days. <clears throat> You know there are times in our lives. You ever watch a movie and you and and the ending just stuns you and you you go, "Wow, I never saw that coming." <laughs> um, you know that happens in our lives too, doesn't it? That happens in our lives that things happen and we go, "Wow, that one that one blindsided me. I sure didn't see that coming." <clears throat> well, we're going to study this morning about an event in Abraham's life where he was going. <laughs> Wow, I didn't see that coming. Um, and, and we're going to, hopefully, we're going to, th- there's a lot of things we, could, we can talk about in this chapter. We're, we'll have to limit them somewhat. So, but there's some things that we can learn, I believe, from looking at this uh, chapter from, and looking at the, the, the life of Abraham and, and his response to this situation and how we can use it in our own lives when we face those situations. I always have problems with that. (laughs) I'm always close by, so it doesn't matter. Uh, So Genesis chapter 22, we're going to begin here in verse 1. It says, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham... And he said, here I am. So after these things, or after the things we just described, Isaac's been born, their family has been started. The other thing that happened back there in Genesis chapter 1 is we remember Hagar and Ishmael were a part of that family too. But because, of, because Ishmael, Sarah saw him mocking Isaac. She said, I can't have them in our household. And so, so Hagar and Ishmael were, were caused to leave the family. And then, we, then it talks about that they had dwelt in that Uh, Abraham had dwelt there many days. How how many days was many days? Well, we don't know for sure. We don't know how many years had passed between Genesis chapter 21 and Genesis chapter 22. If you look at Josephus, who was the Jewish historian who lived during the time of Christ, he said that, that Isaac was 25 years old when we get to Genesis chapter 22. There are other who believe that he was older than that, he, that he was somewhere between 30 and 35 years old, actually, when we get to Genesis chapter 22. Others say that, you know, Isaac was much younger, but we honestly, we don't know, but I think there's some clues here that will help us as we go along. But, so, but anyway, it says after these things that God tested Abraham. God tested Abraham that's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> um, seems like Abraham's been through a few tests already, but he hadn't faced one like this yet. He hasn't faced a, a test like this yet. But there's things that we want to note as we go through this study then, and, and through this chapter. Number one is, how did God test Abraham? How did he test Abraham? Number two, well, I'll tell you what. Let me, let me catch up with my, my screen here. How was Abraham tested? Number two, why was Abraham tested? Why did God test Abraham. Number three, what did God reveal through this test? What was God revealing to Abraham and to us through this test? Number four, how did Abraham pass the test? And finally, number five, what can we learn from Abraham when our faith is tested? So as we go through this chapter, let's think about those things. Number, verse two answers the first question very quickly. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. Wow, I didn't see that one coming. (laughs) I'm sure that was what Abraham felt. God's going to test him. How did he test him? He says, I want you to take... Isaac, this child of promise who you've waited for, for 25 years and now have raised to a young man. And I want you to go offer him as a sacrifice to me. I want you to go to this land of Moriah. I'm gonna show you a place and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. So that answers the question of of how did God uh, test Abraham? You know, from Abraham's standpoint, this had to be a shock. I mean, this, this was a shock on many levels, right? First of all, throughout history, God has contem- condemned human sacrifice. And now he's asking Abraham to offer a human sacrifice and not any human sacrifice, but his son, his only son of his, of his wife, Sarah, and the child of promise that God had given to him. All, you know, all of these things had to be going, this makes no sense. Why is God asking me to do this? He's made me all these promises about descendants and a nation and all the families of the earth being blessed and all those promises are dependent on Isaac because that's who those promises are going to be passed on to. Why is God doing this? <clears throat> You know, we look at James chapter two and verse 21. Let's think about, let me go back just a minute because my notes, I got ahead of my notes again. So first of all, we need to notice the language that God uses here when he talks to Abraham. He says, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Think think about those words. What does that remind us of? When you when when God uses the term "your son," "your only son," that reminds us of who? That reminds us of Jesus, doesn't it? In John three sixteen, where where Jesus said, "For God gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life." We think about that language, and we see that language applied to Jesus in the New Testament uh, frequently. the other thing that we notice here is that he says, whom you love. So there's a progression here as, as God is, is saying these words to Abraham. First, he says, take now your son, your only son, who is Isaac, whom you love. (laughs) I mean, it's like, it's like there it's like these are stones that are hitting Abraham. Abraham, take your son, your only son, the son that you love, Isaac. I mean, it's 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 building with with emotion as God is think about who what, what I'm asking you, Abraham. It's interesting also that in the Bible, the first time that the word love is used is here in reference to Abraham's love for his son, Isaac. <clears throat> you know, I don't think it would be a stretch to say that at a hundred years old, which was a, a, in, our lifet- in our lifetimes today was, is a full life, that the most precious thing in this world to Abraham was Isaac. <clears throat> you know, the other thing that's interesting is the first time we see the, the word love used in the New Testament is in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17. And it happens when Jesus was baptized and it says, and when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens opened to him and the spirit of God descended like a dove and lighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You see the parallels there? In this test that God is giving to Abraham, God is also painting a picture. He is painting a picture of something else that is a significant event, right? You know, God had promised Abraham, that through his descendants would all nations of the earth be blessed. And we know that that was the promise of the coming of the Messiah. It's likely that Abraham, like the Bible describes the prophets of old and even the angels to have a desire to look into what this plan of God for redemption was all about. In the events of this chapter... God is giving Abraham some insight into the emotional pain that God the Father would suffer himself to bring about our redemption. He's giving him a glimpse into that distant physical descendant of his. You know, you think about the precious love that a parent has for a child. And not only for our children, for our grandchildren and their children, if we live to see that many. You know, from Abraham's standpoint, that, that long-off descendant was a grandchild, wasn't it? But this grandchild was also very special because not only was he going to be the descendant of Abraham... He was also going to be the son of God. And God is giving him a glimpse into what that's going to be like. The second reason that God is testing Abraham's faith is to perfect Abraham's faith. And that's where I got ahead of myself. If we we look at James chapter 2, in beginning of verse 23, the scripture says, And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God. I'm sorry, I got one ahead of myself. And was not Abraham our father, verse 21, <clears throat> justified by works when he offered Isaac his son upon the altar. Was not Abraham our father justified? He's talking about the difference between Faith that is active and faith that is not active. And he's, he's making, he's using the example of Abraham. And he says, Abraham was justified by his works when he obeyed God, when he offered Isaac, uh, his son upon the altar. Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works, faith was made perfect. What was God doing? when he was testing Abraham in this way, he was perfecting his faith. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. When was that fulfilled? When Abraham offered Isaac, when he obeyed God, when he carried through with this test that God had given him. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. So again, think about that when our faith is tried, that the perfecting of our faith happens when we obey God in those circumstances, when we continue to trust and obey. So back to verse two, it says, then he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell you. The question then becomes, where is the land of Moriah? Where was the land of Moriah? Um, If we look in 2 Chronicles chapter 3, we we get a clue. Uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 3 and verse 1 says, Now Solomon, this is when Solomon's going to build the temple, began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem on Mount Moriah where the Lord had appeared to his father David at the place that David had prepared the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. So what this tells us then is the place that God was sending Abraham was Jerusalem. Now Jerusalem was not a, a city at that time. It was, it was inhabited, but it was not inhabited by certainly uh, Abraham and his people, is, it, was, it was occupied by other people. But this is a, uh, a map that kind of shows the distance from where Abraham was. So, Abraham was down here in a place called Beersheba. And we see that back in Genesis chapter 21. And we'll find that after the events of chapter 22 that that's where Abraham goes back to. And you see the distance up to what would be Jerusalem. In modern day and, and later in the, in the history of Israel, um, but that is what we understand then to be the land of Moriah. Wouldn't that make sense? Wouldn't that make sense then that as God is painting this picture of an event that's going to happen in the future with a descendant of Abraham who would be God's beloved son that he's, he's sending Abraham to the place that Jesus was crucified. Amen. And so we see again this picture that God is, is painting for us and painting for Abraham. So Abraham rose early in the morning. So now let's think about this. What just happened? What just happened? Abraham is being tested by God. God's just told him, you take the most precious thing in this world to you, this thing that I've, this, this child that I've given you in a miraculous way through whom all these promises are gonna be fulfilled and I want you to go offer him as a sacrifice. When you, does God ever give you a, a command that you're going, I don't, I don't know if that's right. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, in Abraham's mind, you have to be going, this makes no sense. And how, look at how Abraham responded. You know, it reminds me a little bit of when Jesus was, had fed the 5,000 and they had followed him and he was telling them, you only followed me because I fed you and, and that if you'd asked me, I would give you the bread of life. And he told them that he was the bread of life and they would have to, if they didn't eat his flesh and drink his blood, they, they had no life in them. And it says, and to many, this, this was a hard saying. It said, they, and, they, and they turned and they followed him no more. A lot of people, when they're faced with a decision of obeying God, when God's command doesn't necessarily make sense to them, what is the the, um, reaction for a lot of people? A lot of people, just like those people who heard Jesus said, I'm not doing that, I can't go along with that. I'm not following, I'm not doing this anymore. I mean, Abraham, you know, could have said, whew, I gotta think. I gotta rethink my relationship with God. He's asking me to kill my son, <clears throat> or maybe he could have. Maybe he could have debated it with God and said, wait, "Wait a minute, Lord, this doesn't make any sense. Have you thought about this? You know who Isaac is. You know all the promises are good. You you can't ask me to do this." But Abraham's response is simply that he rose up early the next morning and he saddled his donkey and he took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and he arose and he went to the place of which God had told him. What did Abraham do? He didn't question God. And you're going, how could he do that? How could Abraham have that strong of trust in God? And I think the answer is this. It's been twenty. It was twenty-five years before Isaac was born, when God called him from the earth of the Chaldees. Isaac, Abraham had faith in God back then because he went. But you know, as, as time went along in that twenty-five years, we see several times where Abraham's faith was tested. Right, his trust in God was tested, and sometimes he didn't pass the test. <clears throat> You know, there was a time he had to go, there was a famine. He had to go into Egypt and, and he feared for his life so much because his, his wife, Sarah, was a beautiful woman. And he said, these men are going to go into Egypt. They're going to they're see you recognize that I'm your husband and kill me so they can have you. And so he said, you tell them you're my sister, which was a half truth, right? Because she was his half sister as well as his wife but what did that say about his trusting god god had made him all these promises right was god going to let him go to egypt and get killed no but how strong was his faith well it was lacking wasn't it because he was he was figuring out a way to make him help himself survive not fully trusting in that god would do that and, you know, then we find later after, you know, 10 years had passed, after God had promised him and Sarah they're going to have a son, a child, and nothing's happening. No child, no, no pregnancy, no children. And they decide, well, maybe God needs our help. And so the, the situation with Hagar where her handmaid is given to Abraham and they, have a, has, and they have a child. He has a child through Hagar. And God said, no, that's not the plan. That was not the intention. <sighs> And then he sees God fulfill his promise in that very miraculous way. And Abraham has learned at this point, his, his trust in God is, you know, God, Lord, I may not understand it, but I know that you're going to come through. I know that your, your way is best and your will is best. And even though I may not understand this, if you tell me to do it, that's what I'm going to do. And that's what Abraham did. He very methodically went about preparing to do what God had told him to do. But also think about what's going on in Abraham's mind. Because I think this is important. When God told him to to go offer Isaac, what was happening? And, And he... And Abraham recognized that this was the command of God and the will of God, and he was going along with it. Do you think he was happy in his heart about doing that? I would would say no, because again, I think God was giving him a glimpse into the grief that our heavenly father would go through to see his only begotten son suffer for those who didn't deserve it but those whom he loved and sought to redeem <clears throat> I would submit to you that from the time Abraham heard those words that he was grieving in his heart Amen. that he was he felt the pain of losing a child even though the child was still here but To Abraham, he was as good as dead because God had pronounced it. The grief, not only of that, but knowing that it is by his own hand that he's going to take the life of Isaac. And so as they're going on this journey, you can only imagine what's going on in the the mind of Abraham. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off. Do you see the imagery again? Do you see the significance of the picture that God is painting here? What else do we know that happened in three days? Jesus was in the grave for three days, wasn't he? And what happened on the third day, Jesus... Well, rose from the grave on the third day. <clears throat> Again, you think about the state of the mind of Abraham that, in a, in a symbolic sense, he has been suffering the death of Isaac for those three days. And he saw the place afar off. <clears throat> so, this is a, an artist's rendition of what Jerusalem looked like from a, whatever you call that, what do you, you know, when you draw maps, the topography, from a topography standpoint. Um, and so as he's approaching, you can see the place that uh, eventually became the, the city of David or Jerusalem. And you see where the Temple Mount was. And then higher up, you see that that's where Golgotha or Calvary was. And so I assume this is what, Abraham was seeing. He saw this place afar off that God had told him to go to and he recognized that place. And this is just, this is a modern day picture of, of Jerusalem. And you can see the Temple Mount where that mosque you know, sits now and, and back up there higher is where, is where Calvary uh, would have been. So that, that just gives you a little bit of an idea of maybe what, not the second picture, but the first of maybe what Abraham saw as he, as he approached and Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So again, Abraham has, has methodically gone about this and he's brought, brought help with him. And I'm not sure why he brought the help. We can suppose, and we won't do a lot of that right now, but, um, but if, it's interesting, the last part of that, what Abraham tells those two men. He says, we're going to go and worship, and then we're going to come back to you. The first thing I want to notice is he said, we're going to go and worship. <clears throat> this was a hard way. <laughs> this type of worship was hard for Abraham. What was he going to do? He was going to take the life of Isaac in obedience to God and offer Him as a sacrifice, and and it kind of makes us think about that word worship, and you know, and it reminds me of the events where Saul had disobeyed God, and and Samuel had gone out to meet him, and and Samuel said, "Why didn't you obey God?" And he said, "Well, I did." And he said, "Well, no, you didn't, because God told you to not bring any animals back and to wipe the people out, and here you brought back King Agag and and what, what's the lowing of the sheep and the, or the lowing of the oxen that I hear? And he said, well, you know, the people wanted to bring back those to offer as a sacrifice to God. That would be, that'd be good to, to worship, right? We could offer those as a sacrifice. And Samuel's response was, has the Lord his great delight in burnt offering and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? What is the most basic form of worship? It's, it's obedience. It's obeying God. It's hearing God's word and conforming our will to the will of God and doing what he's called us to do. He says, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. But the second part of that verse says, and he will come back. We will come back to you. So what's Abraham going to do? He's going up there to kill Isaac. But he tells them, not, I'll, I'll come back. He says, we're coming back. <laughs> and that tells us something about the faith of Abraham. And that faith is explained to us in Hebrews, the 11th chapter. So if you, will you look in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, in verse 17, it says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, this event, right, offered up Isaac And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said in Isaac, your seed shall be called. So all those things we just talked about, right? That it was Isaac through all those promises that were going to come to pass and, and God had told him to sacrifice. But listen to the last part of this. And this is the key. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative speech. What's that saying? Again, to Abraham, this event had already happened. Isaac was as good as dead. But, But Abraham's faith in God was such that he knew that even if he killed Isaac, That God would fulfill his promises, even if that required raising Isaac back from the dead. What does that tell us about Abraham's belief in the power of God and also in the resurrection, right? That he believed that God could restore life to that which is gone, to that body that was dead. And he said, and that's, so when he said, we're going to come back, it was in that faith that he knew that, if he took Isaac's life, that God would bring him back to fulfill the promises. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and he laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and the knife and the two of them went together. Just Abraham and Isaac. But it says they went together. They were in cooperation They were going for the purpose of what? Of obeying God, of worshiping God. But again, notice the imagery that God is painting. The words that he's using to paint this picture that Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and he did what? He laid it on Isaac. What does that remind us of? Jesus with the cross, carrying that cross to Calvary. Isaac carrying the wood of the altar on which he would be offered himself and he's carrying the wood for that purpose. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father and said, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, you've got the fire and the wood but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? You know, the other thing that you have to wonder about, (laughs) with all that Abraham was going through on the inside, that Isaac had to know something was wrong, right? Isaac didn't know what the plan was but he knew that this was something different, and somehow he was involved. <clears throat> Again, we think about the age of Isaac. Again, the, the Jewish historian said he was 25 years old. There are commentators who believe that he was 33 years old. And you say, well, that would be ironic, and I would say, I don't think there's many ironic things in the Bible. we don't know that but it would kind of make sense wouldn't it as god is painting this picture giving a preview of what's going to happen in the future in this event with abraham and isaac we don't know how old isaac was but he was old enough to carry a donkey load of wood up a hill he was not he was not a youth who was, who was weak, he was a young man in his strength. <clears throat> and that's important again for us to note as we go forward. Where is the wood for the where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son God will provide for him for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. So again, we see Abraham's response. Again, Abraham, Abraham doesn't know exactly what's going to happen on top of this hill, on top of this mountain. But he knows whatever it is that God's going to make it right. God's going to bring it about to be right. And that again reminds us of a verse in, in Romans that says that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord, to those who are called according to his purpose. That God's going to bring this, whatever it happens, God's going to bring it out for good. And God's going to provide. In a sense, it was Isaac himself who was the lamb. But there's also a prophecy here, isn't it? As we think about that. God himself will will provide for himself the lamb. And we think about the words of John. When he saw Jesus approaching and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Again, this imagery, this picture that God is painting of the one who is to come. And then they came to the place which God had told him and Abraham built an altar there and he placed the wood in order and he bound Isaac his son and he laid him on the altar upon the wood. So this is... Again, you know, as, as young people, as a young person, I always thought, how did Abraham, who's 100 years old, <laughs> chase down Isaac, wrestle him to the ground, tie him up, and lay him on the altar? Mm. That's not what's happening here, is it? Somewhere between where the question was asked and, where, and this point we're at now where Abraham is putting Isaac on the altar... Isaac has come to understand what God's plan is here. And all indications are that Isaac in obedience to his father and in trust and obedience to his heavenly father is complying with God's command. God has told Abraham to do this. Isaac Recognizing the will of his own his earthly father and the will of his heavenly father is submitting to that, which tells us something else about Isaac, doesn't it? This child of promise, through whom the blessings are going to come, also is willing to die innocently to fulfill. The will of God. So when the, when the scripture says they went together, they were together. They were working together to fulfill the will of God. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. They were to the point that Abraham had been dreading for three and a half days. And Abraham was going through with what God had told him to do. Though it grieved him, though it was killing him, he trusted God that much that he was going through with what God had told him to do. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the ladder. Do anything to him for now. I know that you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Abraham had passed the test. Abraham had passed the test. Now I know that you fear God. And you think about that word that he he feared God. There was much more to it than just fear, wasn't it? It It was reverence. It was trust, it was love, it was respect, it was honor. It was faith in God. And then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked and behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and he took the ram and he offered it for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the place The Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Again, a reference to what we would understand to be Jerusalem as the mount of the Lord. But we also see the double meaning here in the substitution, the substitute lamb that God provided for Isaac and the substitute lamb that God would provide for all of mankind in Jesus on Calvary. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time and said, by myself, I have sworn, said the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. In your seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed because, why? Because you have obeyed my voice. What is the conclusion? The conclusion is this, trust and obey. In the end, how did Abraham pass the test? It was simply to trust and obey. You know, the book of James says that to count it all joy when we fall into diverse temptations, when we are, our faith is tried in various ways. He says, because the trying of your faith worketh patience. Patience in what? Patience in trusting God and knowing that whatever the circumstance that God is going to bring us through, if we will trust and obey his voice, no matter what. In Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. What is the first test of our faith? The first test of one's faith is this, to hear the gospel of Christ, to understand who Jesus is, to understand that he was given For us to purchase our redemption in the love of God to give His only begotten Son to die in our place on the cross, that we could have remission of sins and hope of eternal life. To understand that and to understand what God has asked us to do, which is this to confess that faith, that belief in Christ before others, and to be buried with Him in baptism, to be raised to walk in newness of life. If you've never If your faith has never been tested in that way before and you would recognize God's call on your life today to do that which he has commanded, will you come forward as we stand and sing the song that's been selected? When we walk with the Lord